Hello and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today I'm going to be talking about When We Were Bright and Beautiful by Jillian Madoff, which was my August book of the month pick. So this is a contemporary fiction story, sort of legal thriller, I feel like they described it as, where basically the sister of an accused rapist is telling her brother's story about the trial and everything that's going on, but she's also reflecting on this affair she's had with an older married man, and then that is also playing out in the story. So very, very controversial and triggering subject matter for this book today. So I'm going to issue trigger warnings later on, but just based off of that description, if that is something that is going to be triggering for you, please feel free to click off of this episode. No hard feelings. I was very concerned picking this up just because of the subject matter, and I'm going to actually talk you through that now at the beginning versus when I would normally do it in the discussion section. So basically, August is my birthday month, so happy belated birthday to me. Anyways, so... In August, if you are a book of the month BFF, or not in August, in your birthday month, you get a free add-on, but you can only use it if you get a book that month. So basically, the August picks, I was very conflicted on what to pick because I knew I wanted to get a free book, obviously. And so I texted my friend and I had her help me out. So I'm going to read these texts with you so you can kind of see what my dilemma was. So the first option was Bronze Drum by Fong Nia. I never know how to say that last name. Wen Yen... I don't know, but that was a historical fiction set in ancient Vietnam about two sisters who fight in a war against imperialist China. So I said, plot sounds interesting, but I read a few reviews that the writing style is slow. And Book of the Month lets you read the first two pages and I can kind of see what they were saying. And then option two, which is the one I ended up picking, was When We Were Bright and Beautiful by Jillian Madoff. And And then I explained like what the plot of it was. My friend said she was already more intrigued based on this title of the second one and then I said content in this one would be the issue some reviews say that no one is likable and there's obviously charged subject matter but I really liked the writing style from the first two pages but I don't know if I'd be completely turned off slash unable to connect since everyone sucks and my friend said I think you should you just got away which you'd be more willing to put up with slow writing style or unlikable characters and controversial plot but I ended up picking the controversial one where maybe I wasn't going to like any of the characters solely based off the writing style. And I'm really glad I did pick it. I ended up actually very much enjoying this book. Like I said, very hard topics to read about in certain spots. So I ended up going with um, When We Were Bright and Beautiful. Yes, it was very um, hard topics to deal with, controversial characters. A lot of the characters were not likable. However, it wasn't in a way that like sometimes when there's a lot of unlikable characters I hate the book but that didn't end up happening in this case I ended up really enjoying it and the writing style was definitely part of it so I am glad I picked this one instead of slogging through a dense historical fiction novel that I might not have liked because I did end up liking this one so I guess that goes to show is that I should expand my horizons and take a risk but let's get into it so spoiler warning first of all if you don't want this book to be spoiled stop here go read the book I would recommend it unless this content is going to be triggering for you and then come back and listen to this episode. Second, um, trigger warning. So like I said, this is, I'm definitely going to be issuing trigger warnings for rape, um, grooming, basically an underage girl and an older man in a relationship. So child 
abuse pedophilia sort of triggers as well. There's like a lot of careless drug use and abuse um, and porn addiction and reckless driving behavior by the main character. Those last ones don't end up necessarily... So there's just a lot of triggering content in this book. So that's just something you need to be aware of before you go into it. Um, And there you go. So I was actually very nervous to... I didn't actually know if I was going to record this episode um, because of the content of the book. I am a little concerned even doing it right now and nervous just because it is such a controversial topic talking about rape and a trial about it and we're getting the entire book is from the sister of the accused rapist perspective so she is defending him throughout the book um so you know I'm a little nervous because I don't want to get canceled even though I don't have any listeners um I'm obviously against rape and against the rapist in this book however I'm going to be taking you through what's going on and then kind of the aftermath and things like that. So I thought about not doing this episode. I thought about doing a mini-sode, but at the end of the day, I decided that I did have to record this episode for two reasons. One, I have a lot to say about it. And two, I actually have read this book twice already. I finished the book and then immediately started it again the next day from the beginning. I will say the second time around, I was skimming looking for more about things that were related to the plot twist near the end of the book and then at the end I was reading basically the whole thing again so I will talk more about that in the discussion section so let's get into the plot summary this is a short book just over 300 pages I read it very quickly both times quicker the second time like I said because I was skimming and skipping over some stuff that I not necessarily didn't care about but I was really looking to read about things that were connected to this plot twist that I predicted wrong, even though literally everybody else on Goodreads said it was very predictable. So, you know, I'm just a sucker. But anyway, so let's get into it. So the book starts out with Cassie, the main character, getting a call from her other brother saying that their brother Billy has been arrested and accused of rape of his ex-girlfriend, Diana Holly. And so she ends up going home. And for the first 60 or so pages, You're hearing her and Nate, her other brother, and her parents, Lawrence and um, Eleanor, talk about who Billy is and the fact that there's no way this could be true because Diana was manipulative and she had broken into his room and smashed, um, used a baseball bat and smashed up his car, like all this different stuff. So the first bit, you're like, okay, yeah, I could see where they're coming from. And also for context, Cassie was adopted by this family. Her dad passed away when she was two or three and then her mom was kind of unstable, and so they, um, the Quins took her in, and she lived with them, and then her mom died in a car crash when she was five, and so after that, she just stayed with the Quins, and she calls both Billy and Nate her brothers, and she calls Lawrence and Eleanor by their first names instead of mom and dad, but for all intents and purposes, they were really her parents growing up and everything. So she talks about how close she was with her brothers when they were younger, and then as they got older, they started to grow apart, and then her relationship with Lawrence, her dad, and Eleanor, her mom, about Eleanor kind of expecting perfection, and also forgot to say, this family is rich. So that's like part of the whole story with Billy is he's rich, privileged white man at Princeton or something like that, like one of the Ivies. And so like, 
their um, lawyer, Peter DeFore, is talking about how the um, prosecution's going to paint him and use kind of that typical narrative that we see in the news and whatever. And so, but they're like, well, Billy is like, has struggled and this and that and like all this different stuff. So Billy like is released from holding, but is going to go on trial. And so then the se- the middle part of the book is um, Cassie's family kind of like working with Peter to try and build a defense for Billy. And everybody's like, yes, he's innocent, blah, blah, blah. And Lawrence is trying to get the family to just like settle and take a plea deal, basically, where Billy would go to jail for five years and have to register as a sex offender, but not have to go to trial. And then Nate and Eleanor are saying, no, we want to go to trial. He's innocent. We don't want him to go to jail. And Eleanor is very like um, insistent that he not have to register as a sex offender, basically. Cassie, meanwhile, has like It's just, like, so unbearable for her to be in New York and be with her family. She's going to be going to grad school at Yale um, starting the next year. So she's escaping back to New Haven a lot of the summer. And also, during this time, like, we're getting a lot of backstory about Casey, Cassie's relationship with this man, Marcus Silver, who was an older married man with three children. And she started having a relationship with him when she was 15, Basically, she talks about how at the beginning it wasn't, like, sexual. He, like, made her wait. He was like, we have to wait until you're 17 because that's the age of consent in um, New York. And she didn't want to wait. And she's like, I pursued him. They did kiss. But it was, like, very much off and on. And he would, like, not leave his wife and anything like that for her. And she's kind of walking us through that. But um, we're getting bits and pieces of it and how he, like, keeps calling her and how she they've been broken up for nine months or something like that and they had been off and on and all these different things um just kind of talking about it but not necessarily vague but you're getting bits and pieces and you're getting them also out of order so in my it was a little confusing the timeline but like you're kind of getting what's going on so then the last third of the book is the trial so they end up going to trial and during this time like the family has been fighting billy has been like despondent and then at one point Eleanor shows up and is like you need to come back you need to convince Lawrence not to um, have a settle and you need to talk to Billy and see if you can get him to tell you what actually happened that night blah 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 so she goes back and she's trying to talk to Billy and Billy gets really mad at her and like pushes her and like swears at her and tells her like it's her fault like things like that and so she's like oh my god he knows my secret there's a similar sort of interaction she has with Nate and the doorman, like, um, caught her out with Marcus one night when she was 16 or something like that. So she's always concerned, blah, blah, blah. So they go to trial. And the defense, or the prosecution is, like, doing their opening statement. And they, like, lead out with the fact that Billy has a secret. And they, they say the secret is that he has a porn addiction, which I think is true based on all the, like, facts and stuff that they end up saying. And I think they get access to, like, how many hours of porn he is watching a week and it is very high and so like they're going through that and so and then um their defense lawyer goes up and he's like saying whatever whatever also something to know is that like in the middle of the book a police officer investigator is like meets cassie and then tries to ask her questions and they talk for a little bit and at first she thinks he's like trying to talk to her about billy but by the end of their conversation he she realizes he's trying to learn about marcus silver 
And so he, his name is Haggerty and he kind of plays a part in the second part of the, or the end part of the book. So they go to trial and at first the defense is like doing really well. Like the jury's not really buying it because they're just like inundating them with like boring like science stuff. But then they start digging into the porn addiction stuff. And for some reason that is what is starting to turn the jury on Billy and the defense is losing his momentum. And then they show the pictures of Diana's body and all of this different stuff. And so, like, part of um, this, like, thing, uh, this thing, part of the rape and, like, what is going on with this is that they went to a party, they both got really drunk, and then they left, and they both ended up at this park, and these two guys, like, called the police because they saw Billy basically attacking her. And so she scored, like, a 13 on the aware like coma scale or something like that and you have to be at least 15 to be aware so at some point diana's unconscious so basically during this trial they're debating if billy knew she was unconscious and when she became unconscious and if she became unconscious after they started having sex was did she like consent things like that so that's kind of what they're debating during this so she gets on the up on stand and she's talking through things and then they bring up a like some of her text and they're saying like Billy is saying, like, don't tell anybody, like, you can't, like, it'll ruin everything, something, something, something. And so DeFore, the defense lawyer, gets her to, like, agree that that is all regarding the porn addiction. And so then she gets off the stand. She was a very convincing um, interview. What is it? Witness? Witness. And Cassie at this point is really starting to doubt whether or not her brother is innocent. And then the prosecution rests its case, and now the defense is going up, and they're calling witnesses and things like that and Cassie and Eleanor both tell um, the defense lawyer that during Diana's testimony she ended up lying about something so there was this night in November when the whole family was there and Diana's saying like that was when she realized Billy's porn addiction got really bad because he kept getting up out of the room and like sneaking off in the bathroom to watch porn blah 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 and then they ended up leaving but Cassie says well that can't be true because I was watching Billy all night because she had heard that Billy and Diana were maybe on the outs and Billy never got up, but she got up and she saw Diana like looking at um, vases or something like that. And so she thinks that Diana's like a gold digger, basically. So she's telling DeFore that and whatever. So then now the defense is calling people, blah, blah, blah. And the defense ends up at the end, they end up recalling Diana, which normally you wouldn't do, but they call her up and they're asking her about these questions again. And this is when it is revealed that Marcus Silver is actually Lawrence Quinn, Cassie's adopted father, although they never actually adopted her. Because they say, the way Cassie explains it, is that it was explained to her, is that her birth father, like, left her, like, millions of dollars. And if they if she had been adopted by the Quinns, it co- she couldn't have inherited it or something like that. But then Haggerty, the um, detective, is like, is that actually true? And I'm like, wait, is that actually true? Because, you know, I don't know anything about money and inheritance. But anyways, so it's revealed that Marcus Silver is actually Lawrence Quinn. And that that is what Diana Holly saw. She saw Cassie and Lawrence kissing and Lawrence touching Cassie's breast during that night in November. And she told Billy and Billy got really mad. They ended up breaking up shortly thereafter. And what probably most likely definitely happened is that she brought that up on March 24th, which was the night of the rape. And Billy then got mad and did that. So that is like the crowd is going wild. Lawrence goes up on the stand after that. And instead of and so then now we're like 
piecing things together that we saw in the beginning of the book and that was why I wanted to reread it because I didn't necessarily see it coming and so we've got that going on and then Lawrence goes up on stand and he ends up denying everything saying Cassie is the one who pursued him he never did anything Cassie was kissing him blah 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 and Nate stands up and just shouts you're a liar that's not true Cassie was a child blah 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 Cassie leaves she was supposed to testify but she doesn't and that was on a Friday afternoon so they are like we're done with court until Monday. So she goes back to New Haven and Eleanor shows up and basically apologizes for being, you know, a bad mom. And she reveals that, like, there was this other, the family lawyer boat that they call Bowtie, but his name is Bert, had, like, at some point come to Eleanor with suspicions about this. And she ignored him and was like, that's not true, blah, blah, blah. So, like, but it's also convoluted and hard for Cassie because she's talking about, like, how it's love. They were definitely love. They were going to like leave and be together he kept saying once you graduate college and when she graduated he was like no and so there's all this different stuff kind of going on there and so she wants to still be with her family she wants to be with Lawrence but she doesn't like there's all these conflicted things going on so then they finally go back on Monday and she hasn't spoken with Lawrence and they like kind of separate them Billy goes on the stand and he ends up giving testimony about this as well. And then the jury deliberates and they decide he's not guilty, which is total BS. He totally did it. At the end, um, Cassie and Nate are talking and they're like, he definitely did it. Like, he did. And so we know he definitely did it, you know? And so then at the very end, Lawrence ends up getting arrested. We, I have to assume Cassie must have given um, some testimony, talked to somebody they get um, their housekeeper, the doorman, and his son who saw them out at the bar that one night. They all um, give um, interviews and then Billy's testimony on the stand. And I think with Cassie probably said some stuff and it was enough to arrest him. And so he's obviously going to jail. And at the end, Cassie's going back to um, New Haven. Whether she's going to continue with school or not, it's unknown. Billy's going to go back to school because apparently he can continue on with his life after raping a woman, which totally sucks not cool and um that's kind of the story there's a little bit more like nuance and stuff going on especially with this relationship with cassie and lawrence but um that's kind of all i'm going to get into right here in the plot summary it feels long but i also talked for a long time before this and cutting stuff out so i think we're fine so now you can see why i was a little bit concerned to talk about this book because there is a lot of heavy content in it so let's get into the discussion section. Let's first talk about how I decided I had to read it a second time. So I finished the book and I was like, wow. So when I was deciding what book I was going to pick, I read a few reviews on Goodreads of this book. Nothing spoiler-y because I didn't want spoilers because I thought, oh, I might be picking this and I ended up doing that. So anyway, so I was reading some reviews and a lot of people said that, that a lot of people gave it like a 3.54 stars, whatever, whatever. And they were saying... You know, I saw the plot twist coming at the end. So basically, a lot of people were like the, fir the first like two thirds. There's a lot of buildup. It's going really fast. And then you get the plot twist, which I saw coming. And this last third wasn't as like intense as I wanted to be or something like that. I don't necessarily agree with them. But basically, all of this is to say a lot of people saw the plot twist coming that Lawrence was Marcus Silver. I did not see that coming for two reasons. I always believe when because Cassie gave him a name I just believed he was like a real guy who existed somewhere else but I should have saw it coming because when the detective interviews her 
He says there's nobody by the name of Marcus Silver, like, in this age bracket in New York. So I guess I should have seen it coming then, but I just didn't. Um, because he had a name, I just believed that he was real. There was one point where I thought maybe the secret was there was something going on between her and Billy when they were younger, just based on how the beginning part of that was going. And the, there was a lot of statements about how at first Billy said that um, Diana reminded him of Cassie, this and that. So like there was like weird undertones going on there, but that ended up not being the case. It ended up being Lawrence. So a lot of people saw it coming. I didn't. And so when I finished the book, I was like, wow. I really can't wait to read it again and see if I can pick up on all the clues that Marcus Silver is actually Lawrence in the first two thirds of the book. Then the next night I was like, okay, I finished the book. I should read something different, but I wasn't feeling either book that I had. So I said, you know what? I'll just read this again. So then I read the book again in three days. Like I said, I skimmed. So it wasn't as intensive a read. I think it took me four days to read uh, the book the first time. And then the second time I skipped some of the stuff that didn't have to do with Lawrence and Cassie. Um, but when you read it, knowing the twist, you can definitely see what's going on. And it's very, very interesting, kind of the interactions and all of that stuff. And then reading about Marcus Silver and realizing that's Lawrence. And it's just so messed up. So, so messed up that he is a predator and he preyed on this girl that they brought into their home. Oh, not cool. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, before I talk about who knew about Lawrence and why did nobody do anything about it, because I have thoughts about that, I want to talk a little bit about two books that this book reminded me of, one I have read and one I have not. So the first thing is that this book reminded me a little bit of Confessions of a Murder Suspect by James Patterson and somebody else. I'm sure the other person wrote the entire book, but I'm blanking. I don't have that book with me and I did not look it up. So basically, like, in that book, there are these four siblings, I think there's four of them, and their parents both die, and they're super rich, and, but they die, and nobody else was there, so, and, like, all the doors are locked, and nobody came in or out, so they're all murder suspects, and so it's from the the only daughter's point of view, and she's also an unreliable narrator that reminded me, like, her name is Tandy, and then in this book, it's Cassie. Tandy and Cassie really reminded me of each other and their unreliableness and kind of, like, their personality traits were also kind of similar as well. So I was getting um, flashbacks of that. And then the other book this reminds me of is My Dark Vanessa, which I have not read. I do not know who it's by, but it is a similar sort of book in that it is a story told in two timelines about this teenage girl who had a relationship with one of her high school teachers is like the first timeline and the second is like 20 or 30 years later when he's being tried for like, you know, sexual assault and child rape and whatever. I'm like blanking on the correct terminology, but all of that. And so I haven't read that book, but I have like seen a lot of reviews of it. And one of my favorite booktubers was Cindy. She read it and she read some quotes from the book. And there's this one quote, which is really what made me think about like the connection to this book where in that in my dark Vanessa they're trying to get her to um testify in the trial and there's like some quote at some point where she basically says it was a love story right if it wasn't then what does that mean for me and the way I think of myself and all those other things and that really reminds me of Cassie as well because she is really struggling through the book to make sense of the fact that Lawrence definitely groomed her 
and that he pursued her and that this was wrong and he was in the wrong and he was doing these horrible things with the fact that she loves him and that it's a love story, right? Isn't it? And that's still something that she's grappling with at the end of the book. At the end, she goes to see Lawrence, like, he's, like, staying at a hotel and he's, like, awaiting his trial or settlement or going to jail or whatever. And she talks to him and, like, even then, he's starting to almost reel her back in, but she's trying not to be. And she's, like, basically saying, like, the only way I can be free is to start naming things for what they were, but she's still having a hard time doing that. And that's why I'm not quite sure that like so basically what ends up happening is that it says like that a few days after he's arrested she ends up texting the detective saying like thanks for everything so you have to assume that she must have talked to him and then it says turns out billy's testimony my conversations with Haggerty, and affidavits from anton joey and Maeve were enough to get a warrant it's probably not going to go to trial, but he's going to go to jail, like blah, blah, blah. And so that reminds me of that as well, because Cassie's really having a hard time throughout the entire book. She definitely dissociates. There's multiple times where she talks about how she splits and she's both in the present and in the past. Notably, there is this scene basically. So, you know, we're going through the first part and porn is mentioned a few times. But then when we get to the part where they're talking about Billy's porn addiction in the trial, Cassie had previously mentioned that like at 10 or something like that she'd accidentally clicked on the wrong video on her older brother's phone and it was a porn video and she ended up like telling Lawrence that and apparently Lawrence sat her down to watch a porno with him when she was 10 and that is a memory that keeps reverberating and you're trying to piece it because it's very much like just fragments of it that you're seeing kind of throughout the book echoes things like that and you finally get the full story later when it's revealed it's Lawrence so that's how you know that Lawrence is a predator because nobody should be showing first of all I don't think anybody shows their children porn second of all nobody shows their child porn at 10 that is not cool that is so when did Lawrence start grooming her at least starting at 10 if not earlier this man had a plan and he was poor. That was also part of the backstory is that Eleanor is the one who had all the money. He didn't. And so that's really why he wasn't going to leave her. But when Cassie turned 25, she was going to get so much money. Maybe then he would have. I don't know. So that, that takes me into who knew about Lawrence and why did they not do anything? So in the first part of the book, she talks about how she thought maybe Nate and Billy knew about Marcus Silver knew her secret but nobody had ever said anything about it so at the time you're like okay they know their older their sister was with an older man yeah if your 15 year old 16 year old sister is with like a 40 year old man you should probably tell your parents about that but then we learned that one of them is the parent so the question is did they really know we know for a fact that billy knew in the other thing about this book is the timelines were confusing but we know that billy knew in november and instead of going to his mom and telling his mom about this or confronting them or doing anything, he just let it fester inside him until he decided to rape a woman. So, you know, that's bad. And at this point, Cassie's 23, so she's no longer a minor. And all that we know for a fact he knows is that they were kissing at this point. But did he know something earlier on in his, like, 
I don't know, Nate might actually have known because he was friends with the doorman's son, Joey, who was there with the doorman, Anton, when they saw Cassie and Lawrence out at this bar being, you know, too touchy to be father-daughter. And so, and there's this, um, Nate says something to Cassie in the middle of the book about how she has this touch with middle-aged men and some other stuff that she's like, Nate has to know. Joey must have told him or like maybe he could like at this point like he could have seen something since now at the end we know that it's Lawrence and he didn't do anything about it and then we know I touched on earlier that the lawyer said something to Eleanor about it and she just like refused to believe it and so really there were all these people that could have done something to stop it and none of them did I think that Eleanor is most um now, I don't know to blame, I guess, for the situation because the brothers are both also younger, whereas she is a parent and she should be protecting Cassie. And this is kind of something that she talks about with Cassie at the end of the book. And so do I think that people knew? I think it's really hard for you to live in a house and for them not to have even suspected so it's really hard when you get to the end and now all three of them are protecting Cassie from Lawrence and the two brothers refuse to see Lawrence at all after this. And um, obviously Eleanor's divorcing him, whatever. But like at the end, Cassie's very skittish around Billy, but she's still like trying to be close with Nate. So I don't know. It's hard. I would love to hear other people's opinions on what they think people knew and like how much did they know. And it's also hard because Cassie's an unreliable narrator. I don't, so like, she's not telling you everything you need to know. So we don't really, especially because for the first part of the book, she's not even calling Lawrence by Lawrence. She's calling him by Marcus. And so it's hard to know you're not seeing everything because it's a book, blah, blah, blah. Was it love? I don't know. I do not think Lawrence was in love with Cassie. I think he was a predator. He saw an opportunity and he took it. How long he planned, I don't know. It really makes me sick to think about that. And Cassie was manipulated into this, regardless of if she later pursued him when she was 15, 16, 17, after um, Lawrence broke it off, he made her into that. And there's a line where she says that. What do I think happens next? So obviously there's not going to be another book, but if they were real people and this was really what happened, I have to hope, I, I hope that Cassie does not continue to talk to Lawrence, that she doesn't write him or visit him when he's in jail, that they do not pick up where they left off. I hope she goes to therapy. Um, so I don't know. It's definitely, there's a lot of ways it could go after this. So Finally, I have two things to say. First is that while this was technically a story about a rape trial, clearly you've barely heard me talk about the rape trial here in the discussion section. This is not really a story about it. It's actually a story about grooming, child abuse, about a foster father basically grooming his daughter into a relationship and that's really what this story is about. It's just framed as a rape story. And that the rape is definitely a central focal part of the story and that that's what your focus is supposed to be drawn to. But in the background, there's all the stuff about the grooming and the relationship and all of that. 
to go, I guess I should end talking a little bit about the trial and the rape storyline. So really, I think I said this in the discussion section, when you read the first part of the book and you don't have any facts, you don't know anything about Diana versus, except for what Cassie's telling you, you can see why the family might think that Billy's innocent. However, I went into this with a hashtag believe all women mindset. So I was like, I think Billy did this. By the end, we know for a fact that he did it. And it's just so frustrating that he got off. Because what I kept thinking about is they show these photos of Diana's body and she's clearly beaten and like scratched and all this different stuff. And that doesn't happen typically, you know, in consensual sex, you're not beating somebody so bad that they're black and blue and scratched and their hair is torn and like their clothes are torn, like all this different stuff. And it just makes me so mad that the people in the jury sided with Billy on this because that's just not cool not right not okay and so yeah I don't know what else to say about that um but it was definitely a difficult read but also it feels weird to say enjoyable but I actually really liked this book a lot I mean I read it twice literally in right right one after the other so I don't know. It's, like, also interesting to think about, like, what were we supposed to learn from this book? I think more than anything, it's supposed to make you think about these different topics and just, yeah, I'm not sure what we were supposed to learn. I know I learned things and, like, it definitely made me think and all of this different stuff, but it was one heck of a book and... I'm definitely interested to know what other people thought of it because I ended up enjoying it despite the fact that I thought I might not and despite the very heavy topics. So with that, let's move into the outro. Please let me know what you thought of this book, this episode, or this podcast, and you can do that in one of two ways. First, you could DM me on Instagram at I read a book once blog. While you're there, give me a follow, check it out. Give me the motivation that running the Instagram is my least favorite part of running this podcast because I don't like to make Instagram posts. So give me some motivation or just DM me. And if you don't like Instagram, then you can email me at iredabookonceblog at gmail.com. And we can also chat about this book podcast episode, blah, blah, blah. Also, please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast on your podcast platform if any of those things are an option. It would mean so much to me. It's going to help other people find my podcast. And if you give me a review on Apple Podcasts, I will shout you out because I use Apple Podcasts so I can see that there. I don't know if Spotify Podcast has that. I guess I could look into that. But anyways, please do that. Next week will be one of two books. I haven't decided yet. So it will either be another um, Catherine Center book or it is going to be Kingdom of the Cursed by Carrie Maniscalco, which is the second book in the series. And I just did the Kingdom of the Wicked episode. I believe it was the one before this. So um, we'll see. I really should read Kingdom of the Cursed next so that I'm ready for when the third one comes out. So if I like it, I know immediately I should get it. But I might need a little romance. We will just have to wait and see. So with that, my name is Emma. This was I Read a Book Once and I'll catch you guys next time.